The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he is faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of them says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone, and in the same way, Was not also Rahab, the prostitute, justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Let's pray. Father God, we are so thankful for you and thankful for this time here, um, this time to gather as a community and a family Um, God, I pray that you will speak to each and every one of us, just a special part in um, this message that is especially for us. Um, I thank you that you do that, and God, I pray that you will be with Matt as he uh, brings us your word, um, speak through him clearly, um, and continue to guide us as we go. Amen. Thank you, Bethany. All right. Good morning. Hey, I'm, uh, I'm Matt Gore. I'm uh, not usually the guy up here, although the last few weeks I've been the usual guy up here, but uh, I'm going to finish up James 2 for you guys, and that'll be, that'll be it for me. Um, you guys pass tissues around? And... Oh, we don't, we don't have tissues. Thank you. Yeah. We have some diff- quite a difficult topic if, you, if you're... If you're Paying attention as she was reading the scripture, this this is going to be uh, this could be an interesting um, topic today. But today we're going to talk about decisions, and and um, you know we're all a product of our own decisions that we make, and sometimes they're really little decisions. Like, um, well, one time I made the decision to order ceviche at a restaurant, which you know that's fine, you know whatever, it tastes good. But that night I was really regretting ordering the ceviche, and I won't go into too much detail, but it did not work well with me digestively. Um, Nothing against ceviche in general. That's a little decision that had a big impact. Uh, You guys all made a decision to come show up this morning. Um, What what drives those decisions like that? There's also like your habits, right? I see a lot of you, uh, including myself, you know, I see you guys here every Sunday. This is like a habit for you. Is to, is to show up every Sunday. Maybe you have another habit, like just some words that you say sometime. A particular member of the band always has a word that he's, he says. He's, he's naming vegetables all the time. I don't know. He's, he's, he always says turnip. I don't know. 
I don't know what he means, but uh, spinach, I guess. Uh, but you know, that's just a part of your language that you just are always saying all the time. You know, those are habits. There's some, but there was something that influenced you to you know, start naming vegetables or to show up, show up to church every Sunday. Um, there are also other gigantic decisions. Uh, you know, I, we, we made the decision to move here uh, from Ohio, and um, yeah, that, that was a rough day for me. I had two great offers. One was here, and I remember it was like the, it was a Saturday after Thanksgiving, darling. It was I'm asking my wife, not just a, I don't just call people darling, but um, <laughs> I, and, and I was just sitting there, and they were like, "Hey, we're going to go on a hike or something." I was like, "Okay, I'm going to stay home," and I was just sort of curled up in the fetal position, knowing that I had to make a call. Do I move? Do I move across the country this way or across the country that way? And um, well, here I am. Um, it seemed to be a good decision, I guess. And um, yeah, so, that, so there's those big decisions like that that really just kind of make us who we are. So there's something within us that's causing us, that's driving us to do everything that we do. And this morning we're going to talk about that in the context of faith. Uh, and, and I have kind of three points for you today. And, and we're in, again, we're in the bottom half of James 2 now. And the first, first thing we talk about is faith as an emotion, and uh, faith as a principle, and then faith as a reality. So faith as an emotion, faith as a principle, and faith as a reality. Um, now, st- starting out, uh, we're, we're going to jump right into verse 14. James says this, what good is it, my brothers? James is always asking these piercing questions. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works. Someone says he has faith, but does not have work. James here is asking a a piercing question. Is what's the point? What's the point of faith without works? And I I feel like we need to kind of define some things here, uh, especially for those of you who are new to this sort of uh, lingo of faith and works, but faith is really just a rational belief that something is true. That given given everything together, you, you believe that there is something is true. And works are some, is, is an actual action, an actual action. There, there's an action to, that you're actually doing something. That, that's what we're calling uh, works, is what we do or how we act, the decisions we make. Those are the works. And he's asking the question, what is the point of faith uh, with, without works? So in other words, if you believe in Jesus as your Savior, you've been made right before God, and uh, that you've been saved from the wrath of God, how do you respond? What is your response to that? And asking this, I, think, I feel like this is the thing I need to point out very, very quickly, is James is not nullifying the fact uh, that we are saved through our faith in Jesus Christ. And, no, and none, of this, in none of this whole passage is he actually nullifying that fact, which I'll, I hope to demonstrate to you. But take a look at Ephesians 2. This is Paul writing here, but he says, uh, Ephesians 2 in, in uh, verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Here it almost seems opposite, doesn't it? But what we have through only faith, there's not anything that we can do. There's not anything you can do to, to be made right before God. It is a gift from God. And that's what we see here in Ephesians. Nothing about this can we change ourselves. We can't, uh, we can't give it back to God. Uh, we can't get it taken away from us. And further, there's nothing we can do uh, to, earn the, to earn this, but it's only through faith. 
And what James is asking here when he asks, what good is it, is, isn't, is not contradicting this. And he, he shows an example here. Uh, um, well, okay, okay. He, he continues and he asks if faith stays as a feeling here. That's, that's kind of my point. Is, is this faith stay as a feeling? Can that faith save him? That's what he's asking here. Is if there's a faith that nothing comes out of it, is that a faith that can save you? Is that a faith that can... And he gives an example here. He says... Um, I'm scrolling up and down, sorry. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, go in peace, be warmed and be filled, and, and filled, in other words, they're just sort of wishing them well, without giving them things needed for the body, what good is that? And he says, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So as an example, he has someone who's wishing well for a needy person, but they're not doing anything about it. They're just saying, oh, you know, I hope that you, uh, I hope that you find what you need. You know, that'd be great. And, and sort of let them continue to not have clothing and food. He's saying, what's the point? And he ends, he ends this part with faith without deeds is just, is dead. It's, if we claim faith but nothing about us changes, he's saying that that faith is illegitimate. I hope you feel that this is something really weighty to consider. It leads to the possibility that, that uh, we can feel that we have a faith, but yet what we feel is actually a counterfeit. It's an illustration of this. Uh, it's my wife. Uh, uh, not the counterfeit part, but I, I love my wife. Uh, I love my wife. And that's, that's a feeling that I have when I see her um, is that I love her. And you could say that, yeah, that, that's, that can remain in the, at that level of a feeling. But actually, you can actually see, I hope, and hopefully, darling, you can see, is, is that, I, that I love her. You know, there, there's actions that come, come towards that. When I see that she's uh, stressed out about the kids and I, I swoop in there and grab them and entertain them for a while, you know, I hope that that's, she can see that I love her and I want her to be happy. That's just one example. But James is asking, is, um, is, is, is the faith that you, you, you feel, is the feelings you have, are they real? So it's easy to say that, for example, that I'm a Christian, I believe in, in, in God and, and, uh, and everything, but um, that's easy to say, but that we are saved and affected by the cross of Christ, but does this stop at just the level of feeling? Is that something that you let just stay, just a feeling that you have, just an inkling that you have, an emotion? Or are you letting your faith, that is, are you letting God uh, change you? And I want to I be clear that there's, there's not a, there's not a, and this is what Paul says in Ephesians, there's not like a, a balance here. There's not like a karma, you know what I mean? There's not going to be, if I do enough good, I can earn this from God. And oh, I need to keep doing good to show that I have faith. But rather, as you'll see, that it's the faith within us that can only be shown through works. The next point is this, is, is uh, talk about faith as a principle. So we're able to separate what we believe from actually our actions is, is a principle. And, and, and I'll, I'll show you this starting in 18. James has a, an argument that someone might say, right? He says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show, and, and then he says, show me your faith apart from works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. 
Even the demons believe and shudder. Even the demons believe and shudder. So James next brings up this argument that there are two types of people. This is an argument you could have against what he's saying, that that your faith is shown by works. Uh, There are two types of people, those who have faith and then those who have works. These are just two uh, types. uh, So Sam Sam Elberry calls, calls this like an armchair Christian and like a doer Christian, right? There are two separate uh, people that decide what they're going to do. Through this logic, I could ask you then, are you a Christian by principle, or are you a Christian out in the field? They're two separate things. But James contrasts this point, and he, and he says that his faith is shown by his works. That it's not that there, there's, a, there's armchair Christians and doer Christians, but actually the, the, the doing of it is actually just showing your faith. And he points out here that, yeah, it's good that you believe in the core tenets of God, and that's that God is one. This would be very appealing to his audience at the time. I hope you can see it, that there's just one God. It's good that you, that you agree with that, but you know what? Even the demons believe that too. There are no, there are no uh, atheist demons. They know what's going on. So our faith can be something like that, something that we sort of support theoretically. We, we support it as, a, as an ideal and that we choose, the, the same way we choose a, a political party or what we want to share when we post things online, you know, it's just something that we stand for. Um, and, and I think a good example of this is, uh, I used to be in a, a large university and people would come up all the time, you know, because there's a, they say, excuse me, do you have a minute for, have you, have you had this where they have like a binder or something? And, and it's some sort of cause, right? You know, do, do you have a minute for cancer research or something? And it's not that anything that they have is, is, you know, something you don't have a minute for, but so they guilt you into giving them, well, a minute. So you say, do, I, do you have a minute for cancer research? And I say, well, yeah, I guess I have a minute. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not evil to where I'd say, no, I don't have a minute for, this, you know, such an important thing. And they open their binder and they, and they show you sort of statistics and they show you, you know, what's being done. And then it, it, it comes to be revealed that they're not asking for a minute for you, right? There's nothing that you're giving your minute for. That, that minute, you know, they weren't like, oh good, I got that guy's minute. But they're asking for your money. They're asking for you to do something about it. They're, they're trying to use that minute that you gave them freely and then, um, you, you know, show you that, well, you should also give your money here. And so, you know, it's almost like a little trick. It's like, whoa, whoa, I'm not gonna give money. I, t- I have a minute, sure, but, you know, your time's almost up. So this is, this is a big question here. Is, is your faith shown by the things that you do? In other words, if you, if you feel so, uh, you know, that you're someone who would oh, support cancer research, which who, would, who wouldn't, right? Uh, are you actually doing that? That's, um, but, but looking back on our faith, look at how you spend the time that you have. You know, look, look, at, look at the indicators that you have for your faith. How do you think about others? Other people, just th- this is the whole concept in James 2. This is his whole thought, rather. How do you think about others? Are you someone who serves others? When you see someone who's different than you, are you someone that just wants to serve them and love them? Are you someone that would rather mock them or ignore them? How do you spend your time? Do you feel like you're someone who's always enveloped in sin? Do you feel like you're just always feeling guilty about something that you're doing? Or do you find joy uh, in worship and prayer? Do you find joy in, you know, you know, this, you know we have worship before, um, 
before I've been up here and then we'll have some afterwards. Is this something that you find joy in? Or do you feel like you're, you're having to like force yourself to, to be here? In prayer, is that something that you feel like is something you just can't go without? Or is it something that you feel like, you know, when you have time, you, you force yourself to do? We have a picture of who we want to be. And this is what I talked about last week. We have a Christ-like image that, you know, that we want to we want to portray as Christians. But it's not something that you can just force upon yourself. And that gets to my last point here, point three, is that faith is a reality. Here, James starts to get a little tough. I don't, I don't think, uh, you know, I, don't, I think if you're trying to attract readers, this isn't, this isn't really the language that you should use. Starting in uh, verse 20. Do you want to be shown... You foolish person. That's tough. <laughs> that faith apart from works is useless. I don't think he's just trying to be mean. I don't think he was in an angry mood when he penned this. But I think that what this demonstrates is he's compassionate about this subject. If he, if he goes as far enough to be like, hey, you fool, do I have to keep talking about this? Then it's obviously something that he can't let go and I think it also shows how far off his readers and that sometimes ourselves can get away from his point. So he says, you foolish person that faith apart from works is useless. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. So here, uh, James uses some examples of faith being inside of someone like Abraham that end up rendering his works. And there are two examples. And, and, and Abraham actually the, is, is considered the father of faith. So when you're talking about faith, here he's actually using the example of the father of faith. He brought his son Isaac, under the, the, the asking of God, he brought his son Isaac to be sacrificed. And there it demonstrated that his faith uh, in God would always provide. The faith was completed in his works. And actually God saw that and he stopped him from, uh, from giving his son. He gave something in, in, in place. And then he goes on to give another example, which is actually... Interesting, he uses like the father of faith. And remember, he's talking to like a Judeo-Christian people at the time where Abraham was really held in high esteem. And then he talks about uh, a prostitute. He goes from Abraham, the founder and father of faith, to, to Rahab, the prostitute. He says, you see, a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? Then he says, for as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Rahab, the opposite of Abraham, was a prostitute that secretly housed some messengers of God, of Israel, because she, she believed in what she saw. She saw what Israel was doing, and she had faith. And she protected them and uh, let them escape. So that was her work. So it wasn't that Abraham and Rahab felt 
they just sort of felt, oh yeah, I love God, God is good. Um, and then they didn't listen to him. When God said, take your son Isaac and sacrifice him, he didn't just think, mm, yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> when, when Rahab saw that what the people of God were doing around her and she took in these people, she could have very easily, and it would have made sense to her, to sort of tattle on these spies. Say, yeah, they're right here. But she didn't. It wasn't just the principle that they had, but rather it was something that, that produced an action. Their work was demonstrated, or their faith rather, was demonstrated by their work. And he concludes that if you claim to have a faith, but there's nothing that, that comes out of it, that that's just as good as, as, as a dead body. In fact, we would have never even heard of Abraham or Rahab if it wasn't for what they had done by acting out their faith. Now, there's someone I've been, I've been reading a lot of and someone I really admire, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I, I think I quoted him a, um, a couple weeks ago. And, and, and he's, he's really a, a big uh, you know, Christian author and he was a Lutheran pastor in Germany. Uh, and he, um, you know, he, he's, he's written a lot of great books. I recommend, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those books and it's kind of things where you really have to spend like, you know, an hour on like a paragraph, you know. <laughs> You're just sort of contemplating it. You know, it's not just a language difference, but also kind of like, wow, that's, this is deep stuff. You know, he's, he's, he really knew the things of God. And um, Bonhoeffer was alive uh, in, in Germany um, in, in the 1930s. And I don't have to tell you guys what was going on there, but um, he, he escaped. In, uh, in the early or mid-30s, he, he, he escaped. He came to America which he had been there before. He had spent a couple years in, 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 in there. And, but for Bonhoeffer, he, he knew that there was something not right. He knew that, uh, that he had to go back. I mean, I mean, think of that. You hear of all these, all these stories of people just leaving Germany just in time, before the war, before all the persecution, before all the concentration camps. They got out. But here's Bonhoeffer. He gets free. He goes to the U.S. And he's like, I got to go back. He said this, he wrote to a friend, he said, I shall have no right to participate in the reconstruction of Christian life in Germany after the war if I do not share the trials of this time with my people. Christians in Germany will face the terrible alternative of either willing the defeat of their nation in order that Christian civilization may survive or willing the victory of their nation and thereby destroying our civilization. That is a Christian civilization he mentions. I know which of these alternatives I must choose, but I cannot make this choice in security. And that is from the, from the US. He felt something. He stood for a principle, but further than that, he made it a reality. He took one of the last boats back to Germany. Bonhoeffer uh, did a lot there. <laughs> He was a spy. He was a spy against the Germans. Uh, he continued to preach. He was told to not preach. He, um, he helped some, uh, some Jewish people escape to Switzerland. And eventually he was arrested by the SS. And he was put into a concentration camp and hanged. He could have just let that be a feeling. 
He could have just felt that he had to be back there. But he did something about it. He'd rather choose being a martyr than living for just with a feeling, just with principle. James is saying here is that don't accept a religion that does nothing to change you. What good is it? Consider what James says in 127, uh, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. That's not a religion that does nothing to you. Being a follower of Christ is not just something you feel. It's not just a principle that you stand for and that you post on Facebook about. It's not a political ideology, it's not a hobby, it's not just an interest, but it promises, it promises to be something that affects you greatly, that changes you from the inside out. The faith that brings us to to this, the faith that brings us to do good works, that mark our faith, to care for orphans and widows, to keep unstained from the world, This is a faith that can't come from a feeling or agreement of rational principles, but only through the grace of Jesus Christ. I have just a few takeaways, and and, and I don't know if you um, you guys have noticed, but takeaways are all gonna be very similar for me um, and and James too. And I realized this after sort of writing um, writing this this past week, what the takeaways would be is Yeah, they're the same because really they're all letting Christ affect every bit of you, letting God do this work because it's not something that you can do yourself. So so my takeaway is in the form of a question, is your faith evident in the things that you're doing, these decisions you're making? Yeah, ordering ceviche, yeah, that's not really, you know. Is your faith evident in your big decisions? The decision that Bonhoeffer made was, was, um, was, all, was all on faith, and he made a big decision. Is this something that you're making as well? You, you know, uh, a lot of you coming out of you know, university, you know, you're getting job offers and that kind of thing. The, the, like the, that's a big decision. How are you letting your faith influence that? And then, uh, is your faith evident in your lifestyle? You know, this is really just a, a self-reflective. Take a look at, at who you, it, 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 where you're spending your time and what you're doing. I don't mean the clothes you wear, but what are you doing that's showing your faith? How are you different than someone who doesn't have it? That's, and related is my last one here is habits. Is your faith evident in your habits? If someone were to spy on you, uh, was that Truman Show or whatever? If, if someone were to just see your life, would they be able to see your faith in Christ? The faith that we're reading about here, that we're talking about, only comes through Christ. This is a faith that's powerful enough to change us, and we shouldn't accept anything other than that. We can't fake it, we can't leave it as something that stays in an emotion. We, we can't just leave it as, as, a, as a principle, we can't. But the saving faith of Christ will move within us from the inside out and it's something that I guarantee will not be able to keep in. 
Would you pray with me? Lord, I just thank you for what you've done for us. Lord, not on our own, Lord, can we, uh, can we come to you, Lord? But Lord, you died for us on a cross. Lord, you gave, you gave yourself to us. God, we wanna, we wanna see how your grace just infiltrates every part of us, Lord, our decisions, our habits, who we are, Lord. We want it to be obvious, Lord, that we follow you, obvious of your grace within us. In your name, Jesus, amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.